I had several people say to me this morning, Happy New Year, and I just want to tell you, we're, we're into the new year. Like, we're into the, the first third of the year. In fact, we're now 92 days until Easter. And we're just doing this little countdown because of the next 92 days, we want to make sure that we're getting ready. We're getting ready personally, our lives, our campus. We're just getting ready because we want to be a people who are this year leading someone close to us, closer to Jesus. The, the, the heartbeat behind that is that as we move towards Easter Sunday, that God would give each one of us the opportunity to lead someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus, so they might join with us as soon as possible, but certainly by Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ with our church family in a way perhaps they never would have celebrated had not someone close to them led them closer to Jesus. I hope you've taken time this last week to write down the name of someone either in your Bible or in your journal that you're now praying for every single day. Someone that is close to you, who you can lead closer to Jesus. And I, I encourage you, if you've not done that, do that. Write their name down in your Bible or write their name down in a journal and begin to pray every single day for that someone in your life. Let's just see what the Lord does. I think it'll be pretty exciting to watch that happen. I don't know if you were able to use your map app this week on your phone. I talked about it last Sunday. Maybe you used it and you thought about, as you used it, the destination of our church. When I am off on a trip somewhere and I've been away from my family for a few days, I really cannot wait to get in my vehicle and pull out my map app and punch in my destination. And when I pull up my map app, the, in my favorites list, my first favorite is home and I can just punch that home button and it will immediately figure out my route home and after it's found my route home that green go button comes up and I hit that go button and this is what I hear starting route to home. did you hear that starting route to home those are my favorite words out of that map app I love to hear starting your route Think about that as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is not our home. Jesus Christ has promised us an eternal home. A place where every wrong is made right. Where every sickness and effect of sin is completely eradicated. Where the sins that we have borne our whole life are washed completely away in the redemption promised by Jesus Christ. Where these bodies that are broken by sin and wearing out every day are replaced by brand new bodies who will last, which will last for eternity. It will be given a brand new earth, a brand new home where we will live in perfection, serving the Lord, working for the Lord, enjoying the Lord beyond our imagination in perfection forever. Now that is a home worth telling someone else about.
that's where we're headed. We're headed home. There's a really amazing story in Acts chapter 8 about a guy named Philip. The Lord told Philip through an angel, I want you to take a road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so Philip follows the Lord. And he goes to a road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. He's not told why. He's just told, go to the road and start walking down the road. So he goes to the road and he starts walking down the road. And lo and behold, an Ethiopian comes by in a chariot. Now the Ethiopian is coming from Jerusalem where the Ethiopian went to worship God. How does an Ethiopian, who is the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, come to care about going to Jerusalem to worship God? So someone had to tell that Ethiopian something about God and that there was an opportunity to worship God in Jerusalem. When the Ethiopian comes by in the chariot, he's reading out of the prophet Isaiah. How does an Ethiopian come to, to possess a copy of the prophet Isaiah? Well, someone in Jerusalem had to have given him a copy of Isaiah and said, read this. So here he is in his chariot on the road to Gaza, and he's reading out of the prophet Isaiah, and this is what he's reading. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment, and who considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. Well, Philip heard the Ethiopian reading from the prophet Isaiah. And all of a sudden, Philip knew exactly why God had told him to walk down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Hey, are you, are you able to understand what you're reading? Ethiopian says, no, I don't have a clue what I'm reading about. Can you explain it to me? Philip hops up in the chariot and begins to tell him about Jesus Christ from that passage in Isaiah 53. Then he opens up all the Old Testament and tells him about all that Jesus has done. How he's a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies about a coming Messiah. And he tells the Ethiopian how to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. As they're going along the road, the Ethiopian sees some water and says, Hey, Philip, what's to prevent me from getting baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ right now? Philip looks at the Ethiopian and says, Nothing. They stop the chariot, they get out. Philip baptizes the Ethiopian, and he's now a follower of Jesus Christ who's experienced salvation. Unbelievable. God brought Philip down what appeared to be a random road to bring Philip close to the Ethiopian so that Philip could lead someone 
close to him, closer to Jesus. Don't ever forget that somebody close to you led you closer to Jesus. And somebody close to the person who led you closer to Jesus led that person closer to Jesus so that that person could lead you to closer to Jesus. If we want to be somebody who leads someone close to us closer to Jesus, do you know what that means? We actually have to take steps of leading someone who is close to us closer to Jesus. I want to read to you again out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this morning I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 and 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19. Paul says, I am free from all and not anyone's slave. I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. I drop down to verse 22. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. Do you hear the implication of proximity in this passage? How could Paul be a slave to people around him, all people, if those people were not close to him? He's saying, I am going to be a slave to everyone close enough for me to serve so that in my serving them for the sake of the gospel, they might see Jesus Christ and come closer to Jesus as I'm growing closer to Jesus. How could he become all things to all people except that he means the people around him, he's going to by every possible means seek to live close to them as he grows closer to Jesus so that they might also become closer to Jesus. Proximity is the key. We are meant to serve those who are close to us. That's the way service works. You will find it hard to serve people that are far away from you. It's the people in proximity to you that you are able to serve in such a way that they see Christ. It's those closest to us that makes the most sense for us to relate to in such a way that by every possible means we might give them opportunity to find Christ. Proximity is the key. Here's the proximity principle you'll see in Scripture. Proximity is an invitation from the Lord to lead someone closer to Jesus. You can just rest assured that when you're close to someone, you are being given an invitation by the Lord to lead that someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus. This last week, I love how the Lord works. I've been focusing in on preparing for this experience for some time now. And so my heart is sensitized to this idea that throughout the scripture leads someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus. So I'm sitting at a basketball game this last week specifically to watch the game. 
And so I'm enjoying the game, and I've said hi to a few people, and I've talked to a few people, but I'm there just watching the game. And then all of a sudden, about midway through the game, a person that I've known for about a year, I met about a year ago, I haven't seen him in months, he starts walking up the stands into the bleachers, and I can tell he's walking in my direction. He sees me, I see him, and I think to myself, he's going to sit by me. And sure enough, this guy walks over and plops down right next to me. Now, I'll be honest with you, okay? When I go to watch a game, I'm there to watch the game. And normally, my thought process would be, oh, man, I got to talk. I'm just being transparent. But thank God for this vision series. Because my first thought was, Lord, did you just bring somebody close to me? Am am I supposed to lead this person closer to Jesus? And I just began to pray. Lord, help me care more about this moment of proximity than anything else. Next thing that I know, all I said is, how you doing? Next thing that I know, this guy is sharing significant challenges he's facing in his life. Begins just to pour out his heart. And I simply encourage him to consider what it would look like if he got closer to Jesus. For the next 45 minutes, we just talk about that kind of stuff. I was blown away. I left that game and I thought to myself, that is the way I want to live my life. I share that experience with you to encourage you to recognize the biblical principle. Proximity is an invitation from the Lord to lead someone closer to Jesus. It's throughout the scripture. I want to give you three other scriptures where it's more explicit. The principle of proximity. One of the first ones is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you have a pen or a note app in your phone, I want to encourage you to make note of the references I'm going to give you. I'm going to go through a number of references in the scripture today. that will provide for you the opportunity to do some further study and reading after today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says to his disciples that he wants them to be witnesses in Jerusalem. So that would be Jesus saying to his disciples, the people closest to you, they were all in Jerusalem. The people closest to you, I want you to be my witness to them. You see that principle of proximity at play there. Then he says the people in Judea. Those are people a little bit further away from them. And so what he says is, I want you to be witnesses to the people in Judea. Well, guess what that means? They've got to go out into Judea in order that they be close to them. Because proximity is an invitation. So they have to go and get in proximity. The disciples didn't want to go outside of Jerusalem. But God providentially used the persecution that was happening in Jerusalem to push his people out in Judea and Samaria, that's even further away, 
so that they would go out further than where they were so they would then be in proximity to someone who was previously far away from them so that they could then lead someone who is close to them closer to Jesus. By the time you get to the end of Acts, the, the vision of the end of Acts is the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. When we think of reaching the world, Reaching the world happens through proximity. Lead someone who's close to you, closer to Jesus. You can see the proximity principle also in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Jesus, all authority has been given to me. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. In verse 18, he says, now go and make disciples of all nations. You follow the idea here? He says, you need to go because proximity is essential. And when you get close to people, you need to see that closeness to the people you're around as an invitation from me to lead them closer to Jesus. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Proximity is an invitation to lead someone closer to Jesus. There's, a, there's another principle of proximity found in 3 John, verses 13 and 14. Now, 3 John just has one chapter, and so you don't typically say chapter 1. It's the only chapter, so you say 3 John, verses 13 and 14. In 3 John, verses 13 and 14, the author John is writing to a church, and he says, I have a lot of things to write to you, but I really don't want to use pen and ink anymore. What I really want to do is see you face to face. Again, he's saying the greatest way for me to lead you closer to the Lord, what I really want to lead you closer to Jesus is I want to be with you face to face. When we think of the principle of proximity, think of proximity in terms of who you are face to face with. Who can you be face to face with? that needs to be led closer to Jesus? Who's in your life right now that would take virtually no effort for you to be face-to-face with to help them find Jesus Christ? There's, There's nothing wrong with texting people. There's nothing wrong with calling them on the phone. There's nothing wrong with FaceTiming. Those are great avenues for creating um, ways of proximity, but there's nothing like face-to-face. Proximity is an invitation. Look for those who are closest to you. If you want to know God's will for your life, who is close to you that needs Jesus? You want to know God's will for your life? Who is God bringing close to you? Because you can lead them closer to Jesus. This principle of proximity is incredibly important because God has placed each one of us right where we live, right when we live. Because the people around us, in proximity to us, who need Jesus Christ, are meant to find Him through us. As we grow closer to Jesus Christ, those close to us 
are our opportunity, our God-orchestrated opportunity to lead closer to Jesus. If the people closest to us are not led closer to Jesus, if we don't by every possible means seek to lead others who are close to us closer to Jesus, let me just ask you this question. How else might they find Jesus? Proximity is an invitation. But proximity has a fine line when it comes to getting close to the world. That's what we're talking about, getting close to the world. Getting close to people who otherwise would not find Jesus. Getting close to the people in our lives, in proximity to us, who do not know Christ, who are in the world, who are of the world, who, who represent the things of the world. When it comes to proximity to the world, there's a fine line. If, if you owned a house on Highway 29 and your backyard backed up to Highway 29, God bless you. If in your backyard that had a fence around it, you had a family dog, well, that dog would be in proximity to Highway 29 where tens of thousands of cars are traveling down it every day without any regard for a dog or other cars or whatever. Tons of people. If you had that backyard fence, your dog would be in proximity to the road, but the fence would create a fine line of protection. Nothing wrong with the dog being close to the danger of the road, as long as the dog is either protected by the fence or is on a leash with the owner who cares about the welfare of the dog. There are dangers, threats related to proximity to the world. And there is a fine line if we are going to be close to the world. Danger number one is the threat of personal harm or personal cost. Jesus warns his followers in 1 John chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. 1 John chapter 3, 13 and 14. And then again in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. He warns his followers, he says, do not be surprised if the world hates you. He warns his followers, he says, the world is going to hate you because of me. Jesus makes it very clear that when, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you seek to lead someone who's close to you in this world, closer to Jesus Christ, there is a real possibility you will experience rejection, you will experience pain. You will experience some sense of maybe even being made fun of. You will experience even persecution. And it will come at a personal cost. What Jesus Christ says to us is, here's the danger. Now what I want to do is I want to take that danger and neutralize it for you if you will live your life 
so that you're using every possible means to lead someone closer to Jesus. If you'll use every possible means in your life to lead someone closer to Jesus and you experience the danger of the world, proximity to the world, through feeling hatred or rejection or persecution, you have experienced great personal cost. Then here's what Jesus does. He changes or neutralizes that threat. And here's how he does it. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, I do not consider the present suffering to be of any comparison to the glory that is in store for us. So yes, in the world, if we lead someone closer to Jesus, that's the way we live our lives, there is a really good probability along the way we'll experience the danger of being in proximity to the world and suffer personal cost and harm. But Jesus says it, it doesn't matter how much you suffer living for me because there is glory to be experienced when you live for me. And there are two kinds of glory I want you to really attach your hearts to. The first one is the glory of seeing an Ethiopian trust Jesus Christ. Can you imagine how great it felt for Philip to think I had no idea that a road from Jerusalem to Gaza could be so much fun. That, that's the glory that God has in store for you so that it's worth the cost. I, I know this is kind of a silly illustration, but it helps me kind of connect with this idea. I'm, I, like to, I like to keep bees. And when I talk to people about keeping bees, one of their first questions is, have you been stung? And I'm like, I'm a beekeeper. You should ask, how many times have you been stung this week? It's just part of beekeeping. And people look at me and go, why would you do that? That's weird. And the reason is because I love the reward. I, I, I like to see what they're about and see what's happening there and then harvest that honey. There's simply nothing like fresh honey out of a comb from bees that I'm interacting with. It's just a really cool experience. Something I learned about the Lord and all that. It's just a great reward. Why, why is it that I'm willing to get stung just a few times along the way? Because it's really no cost at all when you think about the reward. How much more so the eternal reward that God promises us if we're willing to pay the cost of simply living a life to lead someone close to us, closer Jesus. There's a second kind of glory that the Lord has in store for us. You can see it in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. Jesus says, blessed are you when people persecute you on behalf of my name, because there is a reward stored up for you in heaven. Jesus says, if you experience personal cost by living in the danger of the world, and you likely will, then just know that whatever danger you experience that causes personal harm, there is a corresponding reward that will erase all effects of that harm. You may not experience until eternity, but when you do, you will look back on the cost and say it was far more than worth it. God wants 
live in such a way that we, by every possible means, seek to lead someone close to us, closer to him. And he's completely neutralized threat number one. Danger number two. The lure of the world. The scripture warns us that the world seeks to lure us back into its untruth. To destroy us and to render us ineffective in the kingdom of God. Paul goes to the leaders of the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Acts 20, 26 through 28. He encourages the leaders of the church and he says, Hey, look, I, I've, I've given so much for you. I've tried to help you follow Christ. And I just want to encourage you leaders, keep shepherding the flock among you. Because here's what's going to happen. There are going to be people who come after the flock. And they're going to seek to deceive and lure away members of the flock and go away from Jesus Christ. And he wants them to do everything they can to help protect people. Because here's the bottom line. The world is a lure to cause us to turn away from the Lord and drift back into the world. And the crazy thing about the world is the world doesn't try to get you in one fell swoop. It's more like a little opportunity here, a little compromise there, a little apathy here. And the next thing you know, you're drifting away from the Lord, but it doesn't feel like you're really drifting all that far. And the world begins to get its talons in you. And the next thing you know, you're not spending time with the Lord. You're not reading your word. You're not praying. And you're not thinking about how to live by every possible means to lead someone close to you, close to the Lord. You're actually living in this place like it is your home. It's not. The, the world wants to draw us in. And here's the crazy thing. We have to be close to the world. We, we have to be close to the world if we're going to lead somebody in the world closer to Jesus. So how do we get close enough to the world to possibly experience great personal cause? which Jesus neutralized, and also get close enough to the world to lead someone in the world without being lured into the world. How do we do that? I'm going to give you two guards. These are the fences or the, the leash that the owner has to show his care over us. So the first one is to recognize that the people who are close to us who are in the world, are not our enemies. They're not our enemies in the sense that we have to avoid them. Worldly people are worldly. And sometimes Christian people begin to believe they need to avoid worldliness, and that includes avoiding worldly people. That's not true. The Bible does not tell us to avoid worldly people. The Bible tells us, John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his followers. And he says, I want you to protect them in the world from the evil one. I don't want you to take them out of the world. I'm sending them into the world. 
Jesus' prayer for us is that we would live in the world. So we've got to be close to the world in order to lead somebody to Christ. And so if we're close to somebody in the world, what we've got to do to neutralize that danger or that threat of being lured into the world is simply living with an outpost mentality. When we gather in this place, you know what we're doing? We're getting our main force together and we're spending time with our commander, Jesus Christ, so that he can build us up and strengthen us. And so work in our lives that we are radically transformed in this moment and we leave this place and we're saying, I'm ready to go live on mission. And God sends us out, propels us into this community. So we're out there as little groups all over the community, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. And we're just living as outposts out there during the week. And if we want to make sure we neutralize the threat of the world drawing us into its lust and perversions and, and deviancies away from the ways of the Lord, then what we've got to do is live with an outpost mentality. I'm not home. I'm living in this place with a tr strategic mission. I've been sent by my commander to live where I live to make sure that by every possible means, by every act of service, by every word of love, by every means that I have at my disposal to make sure that I'm leading someone who's close to me, closer to Jesus. If we will, by every possible means, seek to lead someone close to us, close to Jesus, you know what we will do? We will effectively neutralize the threat of the world's lure. If you are using every possible means to lead someone closer to Jesus Christ who's close to you, you know what you'll be doing? Every time you live that way, you are unmasking the deceptive temptations of the world for what they are and the emptiness that they bring, and you are reminding yourself every time why it's worth living for Jesus Christ. And the world's lure is neutralized. Proximity has a fine line. But if we will live our lives to lead someone closer to Jesus, we neutralize every threat and we live in the world with one of the greatest adventures imaginable. That's, that's what we want this year. What we want this year is for everyone in our church family to be getting closer to Jesus Christ. So we've got to lead ourselves closer to Christ. It may be reading the word and praying getting in a small group. We also want every single person in our church, every single person, to be leading someone who is close to him or her, closer to Jesus. That's the only way we become a ready bride for the turn of Christ, is if we are getting closer to Jesus as a church family, and we are leading someone who's close to us, closer to Jesus. That's our ambition. That's why we're here. That's what we mean when we say live on mission. Jesus one time walking in the area of Jericho. And the crowds were out there seeing him, wanting to talk to him and hear from him. And there was a, a man who wanted to see Jesus. His name was Zacchaeus. And he was small in stature and there was a big crowd. He couldn't get close enough because of the crowd. He wasn't tall enough to see over the crowd. And so Zacchaeus being a smart guy. 
he said, hey, I'm going to run on ahead of the crowd, kind of get to where they're going, and I'm going to climb up in a sycamore tree. I'm just going to wait there so I can see Jesus when he walks by. Now think about this. Zacchaeus is up in a tree. If you're walking in a group of people who's walking with Jesus and you see some guy in a tree, are you thinking he's okay? That might be a guy you want to avoid. Not Jesus. He sees Zacchaeus in that tree and he makes a beeline for that tree. And he gets close to Zacchaeus. And he says, Zacchaeus, won't you come down from that tree because today I'm going to your house. Jesus gets close to Zacchaeus. And I just wonder, whose house does Jesus want you to go to? Whose desk does Jesus want you to go visit? Who in your life is close to you? Who in your life has God brought close to you? This is what we mean by live on mission. You know my favorite words in the story of Zacchaeus are when Jesus says today salvation has come to this house because I came to seek and to save the lost somebody who's close to you is ready to be closer to Jesus and God plans for you to be the one who's able to say, today, salvation has come to this house. You know, if we had a, if we had a spiritual, a spiritual map app, wouldn't that be cool? We could just pull that spiritual map app up and we could put in our destination home. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Or I just want to go home. If you pull up your spiritual map app and you put in your destination of home, that's going to find your route. You're going to hit that green button go. And your route is going to be really simple and really clear. You know your route home? Your route home to your eternal home is simply lead someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus. That's the safest way home. That's the only way home for a follower of Jesus Christ.